0: Hello and welcome to Docu Discussions. I am sat here with the lovely Naomi Peterson. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, we have the Almighty Plan of taking our first episode of Docu Discussions, and we have decided that we would like to first look at a specific period of time and any developments that took place in documentary theatre. So the key influencers, key productions, etc etc. Then we would like to move on to look at any evidence that documentary drama is growing as a form. So in my recent research that I've conducted, I was investigating various reasons behind why this might be happening. So we've had a little pre-discussion to see how that's going to go, but we're going to go into a bit more depth now. We are. We are indeed. Finally, we will look at a specific production that's on in the UK or just been on in the UK and we will give you our valuable opinions, whether we loved it or loathed it. That's the plan, here we go, this is episode one of Docu Discussions. So the period of time that we are going to be looking at in this week's episode is the mid-2000s, so we're talking 2005 and thereabouts, 2003. Um, we saw what could be described as a boom in documentary theatre, um, David Hare with The Permanent Way and Stuff Happens, Robin Soane's Talking to Terrorists, Alec E. Blythe started her company, Recorded Delivery, in 2003. Yes. And what was your experience of this, me this time? Well, um, the first thing I saw was actually The Permanent Way, um, which I believe was
1: in 2004. Um, So that was my first... In fact, yeah, I think
0: that was before... Was that before Talking to Terrorists? Yes, Yes. Talking to Terrorists 2005. Yeah,
1: so I saw The Permanent Way. That was my first real experience of docudrama. Um, And it was something um, I'd never really experienced before, and I think it kind of paved the way in many respects for a lot of the stuff that came afterwards. Um, So while a lot of the stuff that came afterwards was kind of influenced by Britain at the time and the fact that we were going to war and um, there was a lot of kind of political anger and unrest over that. Um, I think that all stemmed um, from this great play by David Hare about the privatisation of the railways um, and it definitely made me want to try out new docudramas.
0: Yes, I, I would agree to a point there because I saw The Permanent Way as part of the GCSE class so I'd... It's not something that I'd actively um, found, but once I was taken there mm-hmm. and saw it, to me it was an entirely new type of theatre, yeah. and not something that I'd experienced before. And I think for me, what was fascinating was this idea that it was quite an informative and intellectual thing for me, and so from that point of view it was challenging, but it took the creative side of my brain as well, which by putting them together was an entirely new experience for me. Yeah. Um, And I wonder if, by being at that certain age, um, it seems that documentary theatre is now flourishing because a lot of people um, who did see it are now now starting to create documentary theatre. So I'm not just saying the permanent way, but who saw plays during this period of time, the the mid-2000s. Yes, so
1: you're saying that, Kind of the the young people who who saw that, who mm. were influenced by that, then went on to um, to go and see and to create their own Doctor John, mm. which is why there was that big kind of boom. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. Um, I would also agree that I would also say that it was because of the political climate and the the things that were going on in society at the time. Um, as I think we discussed earlier, um, it was during the Iraq War, so there was a lot of unrest. Yeah,
0: um, in many ways, refle- it definitely
1: reflected that. So it was, because that was kind of that whole thing going on at the time, I do agree. I think that people kind of saw that the permanent way had such a good effect, had such an important effect, that here was a new way of taking Mm -hmm. theatre in order to address issues and to get people talking about them and to get them excited about them and to get people who weren't necessarily interested or affected by the media reports.
0: Yeah, understanding what was going on and had to have an opinion. I mean, another important thing about that period of time is that there was this technological revolution in, in many ways. Facebook was getting quite... You know, that was the start of Facebook, yeah. really flourishing. And just this, yeah, as, as I think is, is quite clear, is this sudden overload of information for people as opposed to just turning to a newspaper for... Information or yeah. just listening to the news on the radio, yeah. um, and suddenly it was a it was a way to draw all this information together, mm-hmm. perhaps, um, and give it kind of a personal touch and a, a creative a touch, creative, and, yeah, and try and
1: affect people that way, um, which is yeah often very effective.
0: Yes, and let alone the fact that in the mid-2000s they had the delights of not being in a recession. Yes, <laughs> Which is exactly. something we're yet to experience in our working lives. Um, okay, good. So Especially in our profession. Though. In our profession, indeed. <laughs> Tough times for actors. <laughs> Tough times. But hey, we're making use of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep it going. Um, so next we're going to move on to looking at some reasons behind um, why documentary theatre could be proliferate. But I have... I have discussed in um, my my essay and if you would like to find out more about that please look at my blog which is www.00amanda <laughs> um so I'm just going to read a couple of quotes um, this is going to be looking at um, the the traditional media and perhaps the idea that it doesn't give um, People, the truth that they might be looking for, and whether documentary theatre has the um, ability or potential to fulfil this, because in 1968, Peter Weiss, in Notes on Documentary, argued that radio and television could remain unsurpassable in the context of pure information if this remained the main aim. Instead of concentrating on news, they concentrate on speed of delivery, which has resulted in the construction of a false reality that was in 1968 we then look at 2005 and Hare I quote said in my experience the newspapers are a combination of what people never meant combined with what people never said verbatim does what journalism fails to do the world is changing complicated things are happening journalism is failing us because it's not adequately representing these things very interesting very interesting well um where to start (laughs) what to say about that um we're not trying to solve the world we're just having a little think about
1: it (laughs) um so uh, i think that's that hair makes an interesting point um I think obviously, uh, look at t- that was made in two thousand and five, wasn't it? That comment. Mm, yeah. Look at today, the Leveson Inquiry, the complete distrust and disenchantment everyone has with um, with the press, with the tabloids, with
0: with papers, with with any way of reporting the press. Yes, dis- distrust. But how much? And and also, I think it's a changed expectation of the media. I yeah. I don't expect to see the truth written down in many things. I oh, see, I I'm quite. I'm still quite naive in a sense. Maybe that I'm a bit cynical. <laughs> I think <laughs> something.
1: <gone> you wrong. <laughs> expect to read things that aren't true. I expect. I do expect the truth, but I. I, I, it, I think it depends on the nature of the topic that's yeah. being covered. You expect kind of a kind of rough outline of the facts without yes. any kind of real insight into what. Yeah. What's behind it and what they're try- what the person who's written it is trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because that's that is so often the case. In our society, and because we have so much of this information at our beck and call, um, a lot of it is unreliable. You know, you can literally just log on to an iPhone. Like, well, yes, because ask a, a lot of the time you, you get... don't know
0: the source of the information. Exactly.
1: So you could just get information at mm. your fingertips, and it's it's refreshing to think that the theatre and the rise of the docudrama and verbatim theatre is um, committed to kind of re-finding this truth and merging. Kind of the truth of people with with the fact of the day, and because they've you know, Vibration theatre goes as far as actually interviewing real people mm. um, whose words are then kind of very rarely touched or mm-hmm. altered, and because it, it it's, its mission is to kind of present the truth in in a within a creative framework, then yes, it's an, it's,
0: it's an exciting i and project. I think there's a certain not naivety, but. In terms of the press, I mean it is it is about speed of delivery these days as, as was said in 1968 speed of delivery is key because if you don't report the story first someone else will have um, so it might be at the expense of certain facts however with with theatre we're aiming to to show a personal story and, and I think there's a slightly different aim in the final outcome yeah. so that means that as a creative, I think there's a much more of a commitment to being honest with people yeah. and you're using them for your artwork. Yeah, definitely. What you were saying about speed of delivery, um, whoever who was it that said that quote? Uh Vice. Yeah, so
1: what he was saying, like that's not, you know, that's not the aim with theatre. You know, yeah newspapers have to get stuff out. We straight want a six week rehearsal yeah. process. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, there's that commitment to getting everything exactly right and to being really and to honouring these people who, because yeah. you kind of have to do them the service of, of getting it right and and being And again, it's that thing adaptation. of
0: having met the people personally and reporting their story or seeing pictures of, of whatever happened. It's like this, yeah, you do want to honour them and you have a commitment to them of, of staying truthful. And they're going to see the production shortly, so you're yeah. not going to turn around and tell lies about them. Um,
1: I agree. I, I think, um, yeah. I think, uh, in in my opinion, like the, the one of the most refreshing things about docudrama is that, in many ways, it's just like all theatre in that it's telling the stories of people. But what's so good about it is it it, is edu- it has got the educational, the factual aspects, but it has got the autobiographical aspects. But it is it's still telling it is it's telling a story that of real people, and that's. You know, that's, that's what we as people connect to, is other people's stories. And if they are telling truth or important stories, then that's mm-hmm. a really interesting experience and something that I think young people today would be excited to, to go and see, like, you know, all the yes. stuff that's going
0: on. and various. that would be a beautiful way of taking us back before we diverge oh, right, <laughs> to, okay. to seeing it as as a reason why it, it has become more popular over the years. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sorry, have, I, have I skipped ahead? No, you haven't at all. That is that is bang on the note of looking at a reason why it has continued to grow and become more popular because with this traditional media not being necessarily as reliable, but people still seeking truth and understanding, maybe it's just a different way of analysing you yeah. know, and it offers that. Can I Can I just add one
1: more thing, just Absolutely. the fact that going back to the point I made earlier about our society being saturated with so much information at, no. at our fingertips, that wasn't the case 20 years ago, um, we didn't have iPhones, we didn't have... Well, it was a lot more difficult to facilitate yeah. a piece of this like this, yeah, absolutely. So, um, people are looking for kind of different, because we're so saturated, you're looking for other ways in, mm. for other, yeah. more and more ways of kind of finding what, getting to the root of the matter without being kind of given these red herrings, um,
0: in my opinion. We don't want red herrings, we, we want the truth. <laughs> um, another reason, I'm just going to move us on, um into why we think this, this growth might have happened is um, looking at this idea, which seemed to be a recurrent theme in, in my research, of um, giving voices to the unheard people, a listening ear to, you know, an opinion that may otherwise just go unheard. Um, we look right back to Joan Littlewood and um, Theatre Workshop and the work mm. that she was doing was really based at um, the working class and a community drive to give these people a chance to say what their life was. Yeah, like unheard, people whose voices were yes. previously
1: unheard. Yeah. because
0: at that time, you know, theatre was very much a middle class, and I'm sorry to talk about classes, but you just have to do it sometimes, mm. um, was, was associated with a, a middle class um, hobby. And then, so by bringing theatre to the working class, it took on this different form because... It had a different outlet and a different purpose for them, mm-hmm. but now perhaps there's there's you know a lot less class division in theatre. In theatre, and also working like I mean, working class people weren't on stage; they weren't acting either. Yeah. So now there's it's a lot more diverse. Yeah. A lot more diversity, and also perhaps these issues that were just affecting um, a smaller group of people, minority group, are actually in our current day affecting lots of people. We are in a recession, so maybe more people are angry and more people feel the need to voice this anger. Yeah, and it's that whole... F- this
1: whole kind of attitude of, you know, everyone has the right to a voice and everyone has the right to an opinion. And, like you said, these issues are, you like, kind of universal, I think, in our mm. society. Like, everyone is feeling, in my opinion, well not everyone sadly, but <laughs> um, Not everyone. Um, lo- <laughs> lots of lots people. of people are feeling the effects of of, you know, the the recession, the, the economic climate, the um yeah, what's going on today, so that's mm. that's something that everyone understands and can relate the to. The riots were kind of born out of this kind of social malaise and this like sickness that was Perhaps kind of unrest, going on. Yeah. yeah. But so everyone or ev- not everyone shared their opinion or their
0: motivation, but everyone has an opinion on it, and everyone was well. Affected. This is the thing: everyone does have an opinion on these things. Whereas perhaps because they feel affected by it, whether it's a positive thing if they turned up to clean up the streets the next day, yeah. or if they were a part of it, there is an opinion on it. Yeah, um, exactly. And actually, so we've seen it go from what was, you know, very community-based to being on a national stage with with all the the Iraq War kind of shows coming out of that the performances that came out of that and now with the riots although it was it was first staged at the tricycle which i would argue in the uk is quite a prestigious documentary theater yeah um it's now the riots is now being taken back to tottenham and for me that's a really interesting thing and i think it marks a new development in documentary theater because it's now going back to a community level but with the public profile of something that's been quite national so would you say that it's it's kind of come full circle only because it's
1: had the success of the of recent years only because it's had like
0: interest on a sort of national uh, perhaps stereo. yes and i'd like to think that now this is a new form of documentary theatre in a community something that's more respected and again by having this bigger public profile i mean they were it was on a bbc chat program first thing in the morning you Mm -hmm. know for everyone to see but it's coming back to tottenham and this this growth could you know continue but in smaller pockets now community-based um with the help of this background of being on a national stage yeah good (laughs) so finally i would like to move on to um the most recent production that we both saw,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which was London Wonderful Road. Wonderful London
1: Road. My favourite <laughs> production I'd say, of 2011. Mary Peterson's
0: favourite <laughs> production of 2011. So, let's think about first our expectations on on going to see this show.
1: Um, well, I didn't know what to expect apart from I'd already seen one production by Alecky Blythe before which was the girlfriend experience mm-hmm. um, which I very much enjoyed but they had their headphones on and that I think that was One um, of oh, her first one of her first ones where they were they were being played mm-hmm. the actual words of the the, the real life people they the were playing in yeah. their ears. Whereas not only was London Road not doing that but it was setting it to music. Uh, which I think was I mean I was really excited, I'm a big fan of the musical theatre, but I also think it was a really, really clever move because Musical theatre is so big and so popular. It's, ne- I don't see its popularity dying down anytime soon. It's well, just not with the help so of Andrew Lloyd Webber and
0: BBC. Exactly. <laughs>
1: taking up so much of kind of the the market, and you know everyone wants to go see a musical.
0: Yeah, but well, well not use, everyone in the world.
1: <laughs> Lots of people do. <laughs> um, but to take this this um, really popular form and to use it as a oh, to completely subvert Ooh, it. And so was it just a marketing thing, oh or no, was it an artistic
0: process? Oh no, so I think it was an artistic process. It was an artistic, but artistic yeah. process, But
1: I think it was a, it was a, it was clever to
0: to kind of subvert the musical in this way. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I expected what? to be blown away. I, I think that it's quite a simple expectation because. Right. I, I knew that I loved documentaries, and I knew that I loved musicals, and I was like, brilliant. Yeah. They're putting the two together, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Um, yeah. But don't you think that, what
1: I was trying to say, don't don't you think that it, it was kind of appealing to a wider audience because it because became it that was musical, a, a musical. Absolutely. because it not only would appeal to the, the national, the people who, you know,
0: the regulars, faithful, of the national
1: theatre, the people who are interested in more subversive documentary drama theatre, yeah. but also people who were like, oh, a new musical, let's go and see this, and it yes. really did, I, I just thought it was wonderful. It was like, ticking many boxes yeah. in terms of appeal. I, I think I was blown away, like, I, I think it was it was really clever, the way they kind of merged that into speech, mm. the fact that the actors, I,
0: I'm glad they, they weren't on headphones, because I think it was much yeah, more appealing. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, there's—I I'm not for a moment saying that, <clears throat> I'm thinking, you can probably hear my thoughts now. <laughs> what what i loved was that i could appreciate that this was an entirely new form of theatre yeah. and it was at the national and it was a complete experiment yet yeah, it was in this prestigious theatre stuff that experiments like that is normally in the fr- is you know yeah. fringe based so for me that was great but i think i might have been more excited by sitting in a rehearsal process do you reckon i don't know i i i think what i
1: what I liked about it was it, it had that, but then it also had that showmanship, and the, it was the finished product. And I think that's mm. it, that's what I would look for in a docu-drama. I don't go to the theatre to go to a lecture because I could just go to a lecture or yes, a kind of indeed. you know like a speech or a, a discussion. You go if you're going to see a documentary piece of theatre, you go. To be entertained, but mm. to
0: to be challenged as well, and to hear, hear hear stories that are truth. What I thought was really interesting is in a musical, you rarely. I mean, if you've got like a narrator in a musical, um, then this happens, but you rarely get directly addressed as you're being sung to. Yeah, and and this was like a really fascinating part for me, where we're used to being just about used to being direct directed at. I don't know how to say that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoken directly to yeah. in speech, but the fact that it happened in song was great. Yeah, definitely. That doesn't happen in a musical normally. That and was what, good. What you were saying about it being at the National—it's a
1: piece of essentially a piece of verbatim theatre, which is a musical, which mm. is about you know something that really happened, about murdering prostitutes in Ipswich, mm. which is a bit of a quite a weird subject. Next. Would that have gone on in the Cottesloe 20 years ago? Probably not. Absolutely that's not. that's the point, that, the whole kind of crux of the matter, isn't it? That, that <laughs> and that's where we see how far it has come
0: yeah. and has flourished.
1: Yeah, and I'd like to see it again. It's a shame it didn't
0: have a longer run, I think. Yeah, well, it was extended as well. I know. So good. <laughs> so good so there we have it that is our um, docu discussions episode one i hope it's been entertaining and informative for you much like documentary theater should be in itself in my opinion <laughs> humble opinion um thanks very much for listening if you'd like to find out more as i said earlier please take uh, take a time to look at my blog Um, And we'll post up a few more um, thoughts from our discussion today. It's www.00amandablack.blogspot.com. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day.